somebody wake me? Yo, what's up, man? Is this thing on? <laughs> Jay Soderberg. That's me. John Luckenbaugh. That's him. Two podcasting veterans. One from the production space. And one from the outer space. And we're, we're, we're QNO. Weekly news and tips in podcasting. On podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Queued Up Podcast on podcasting, where even the experts have learning experiences. Hello, everybody. My name is Jay Soderberg, a.k.a. Pod Vader. I'm here with the founder of the Queued Up Podcasting Agency. He's John Luckenbaugh. John, how are you? Um, great, Jay. Wonderful. I'm so glad we get to record this again. We've been telling you folks how every week we've been using a different platform to record our podcasts. And this past, this episode that you're hearing now is actually being recorded via Zoom. However, the episode that you should be listening to was recorded using Squadcast, which was a platform we had used previously, but uh, we went back to it and we experienced something that I know a lot of people have common criticism about. Not a great experience. No, it wasn't. John, you were the, uh, you're the editor here, so uh, what'd you find? Okay, well, the reason we went to Squadcast, Jay, is because we were, well, initially we are going to have a guest, and thinking the three channels, the three separate channels off of Squadcast would be nice compared to Zoom, which combines more than two channels onto, onto one. We encountered the, the usual packet loss and digitization of the recording. It usually sounds like this. Yes. Now, it didn't happen any more frequently than any other recording app that we've used. So there was no forethought to say, well, this is going to be a, a crappy recording. Going back into it, well, that's a whole nother story. But <laughs> well, once I got the files, where there was a packet loss... It completely stopped recording your side of the audio, Jay. And even when there wasn't any of the packet loss, there's huge chunks of your audio missing. Mm. So I got maybe a third of what you were saying, and it wasn't even able to be edited or spliced together to form cohesive thoughts because it was just it was just fragments of, of information. Now, you also said that the sync went out of sync because of this stopping of recording, that my file ended up being 40 minutes longer than your file, which we recorded the exact same amount of time. Uh, and where I say even the experts can learn <laughs> from their mistakes, any professional will tell you, you should always record a backup. Yes. Uh, however, these two professionals did not record a backup of that particular episode. So that is a lost episode, ladies and gentlemen. Within our first 10 episodes, we already have a lost episode. That's fantastic, John. <laughs> that's, that's how you know you've made it. But our first time using Squadcast, everything was smooth and sounded great. And that's the reason I wanted to go back and try them again. So what's the difference this time, Joe? Well, I can't speak specifically as to what the issues happened here. I can tell you, having been involved in the industry for as long as I have and one of the places that I worked at was Blog Talk Radio. Now, everyone knows the story behind Blog Talk Radio. It's the place that people can literally phone in and make a podcast super easy. But, you know, when you're phoning it in on a phone, 
it sounds pretty lousy. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the reasons why I was really excited about becoming the vice president of content at Blog Talk Radio when I left ESPN back in 2014 was not only because of the dynamic ad insertion that we were starting to explore and play with to help provide monetization for podcasters of any size, but was also the hi-fi recording studio that they had started to develop, which is using a lot of the same technology that all of these other platforms are using, voice over IP. What we discovered in the process of trying to make the hi-fi studio a reality was that there's no control over what happens on the internet. When you're relying on the internet, you're at the internet's peril, if you will. So if your ISP provider or your internet service provider, I just, I just re made it redundant, ISP provider, that's redundant. So if your ISP decides they're going to throttle the net on that particular day, there is literally nothing anyone can do. There's nothing that you, the client can do, and there's nothing that the host or the service that you're using can do. And there's no warning and there's no way of flagging it. There's no way of telling you that this is happening right now. Maybe there are developers out there that, that know this, but again, you're, as soon as you start talking, A, when you start talking to a developer, you're already getting more technical than the average person, the average Joe who would like to create a podcast. Uh, you're even getting even more technical than, say, I, who's been involved in <laughs> podcasting for as long as I have. So as soon as you start talking to a developer, that's the sort of thing that's going to happen. But anyway, we discovered that at scale, it was even worse. It was one of those things where the bandwidth, if you had bandwidth problems just on your own end, it was causing bandwidth problems for our servers, and it wasn't anything that could we could reproduce at scale. Some of these other companies obviously have figured that out to a degree, and some of them are still struggling with that sort of thing. And I think that's what we've run into here with Squadcast. The problem that we deci ultimately decided was that we could no longer offer the Hi-Fi Studio solution because it wasn't a good product. It just, it wasn't something that you could rely on. And if you had a big name guest on the show, you're not going to get a Barack Obama, who's one of the biggest name guests ever in podcasting. You're not going to get him to run a backup uh, on his end, right? You, nope. You're not going to get him to open up QuickTime and, and record locally on his end and then send you that file on his time. I mean, maybe he'd get his assistant to do it, but I doubt it, right? Yeah. Un unfortunately, there's just certain, there's a certain level of, of guests that's not going to be able to do it. Anyone that we're going to talk to is probably going to have been involved in podcasting for a while. They're going to understand these things and they'll be able to send us a backup recording uh, from their end. But again, when you're dealing with the general public or, or just a general person, they're not going to understand those things. They barely understand, I'm sending you a link. Just click on the link, you know, bring <laughs> you into my studio, right? right. And, we, and we've come a long way, right? If there's anything positive about COVID-19, people have learned how to use Zoom. Like, mm -hmm. people, you know, everyone knows how to, how to do a Zoom session. The problem becomes, now how do you back that up? How do you make a recording of the recording? Because the, they would probably sit here and go, oh, let me click the record button here. And that's not going to help you yeah. at all. So I wonder if the best way to, to work around this, Jay, is yes, have the backup recording, but using Zoom as the, the video presence so we can still see each other and, and interact, but using the main recording off of your QuickTime or your other audio recorder. That is probably the best. That this, 
ultimately, that's going to be what any good podcast editor is going to tell you is going to give you your best recording is you have a local recording from every single person's end. You're just using Zoom or Uber conference or whatever connector to just connect with with the people that are talking so that you can interact with each other. But ultimately, it is the local recordings that are going to make the best final product. Now, it's an extra step. It's an extra level of editing. It's an extra, it's an, an extra lot. <laughs> yeah, it is. And the average podcaster is not going to know how to do that or have the time to do that. That's one of the things I've found that I like with Zoom is I can get around a lot of technical issues with the recording because they do have the option to do a local recording. I would also say that, again, if it's a scale issue, you know a lot of people are using Zoom. Perhaps mm -hmm. Zoom isn't the connector that you want to use to rely on a little bit more often. If you want to live, live on the edge, uh, as a great <laughs> Boston band once sang about, uh, and just use the recording from whatever service that you're using, perhaps Zoom isn't it because everybody's using Zoom. Use one of these other ones that no one's ever heard about. If I keep telling people about Uber Conference, that's quickly going to be not going to become a reliable place either. But I can tell you in the five years that I've used Uber Conference, I have never run into this problem. And again, I've had packet loss and I've yep. been able to go in and, and see where that packet loss has occurred and edit it out and, yep. and make it work. Most of the time, if there is any sort of packet loss that I don't know about, though, it's only going to be from my end as the host because I don't hear the packet loss. I have right. to rely on my co-hosts or my guests to tell me that there's packet loss. If you have right. packet loss, though, John, I can hear that on my end and I can tell you about it yes. and say, hey, John, I need you to pick that up because you froze there for a second. Mm -hmm. Again, is your big name guest going to tell you that? Or are you going to have the cojones to tell the big name guest? <laughs> now, do I that? know you told us something really personal right there, but we didn't get it all. So I need you to to just go back a couple of sentences and pick up right there. Okay, thanks. That'd be great. And and if you could have the same emotion, I know you're bawling your eyes out right now, but if you could really go back before you started bawling to give me that like straight emotion before you started crying, that'd be great. There's just going to be certain things, yeah. certain situations that you're just going to be in peril with. Yep. That's why we're recording again. <laughs> Well, I will tell you in a in a quick summary because we honestly, unfortunately, we we had like what was it at least a forty five minute discussion, right? Yeah, about the latest research from Edison Research on super listeners, which has made the rounds uh, amongst a lot of the podcasting newsletters. I do invite you to check out any of the newsletters out there. James Cridlin has a great one, Pod News, discussing it. There's Inside Podcasting, which is another great resource to use. I'm subscribed to a whole bunch of them. I could literally sit here and spend the rest of the time telling you all the newsletters I'm subscribed to. But instead, I want to give you sort of a quick overview from what I saw out of the super listener research uh, from Edison Research. And first thing, just to let you know who the super listeners are, Edison Research conducted 1,000 online interviews in October of this past year, 2020, trending with the super listeners of 2019 study. All respondents reported listening to podcasts for at least five hours per week. Uh, so that's a super listener. He listens to five hours of podcasts a week. I know we we talked about our own podcast listening. You being an editor, you're sort of forced to <laughs> listen to a lot of 
podcast. I myself having a side gig at the moment that allows me to listen to quite a bit of podcasting, at least 24 hours of mm. podcast listening a week, which is kind of scary. Uh, but I do listen to quite a number of podcasts out there. So we would definitely be in here with the super users. I'm not going to go over the demographics or age or talk about the weekly time spent listening, how that has improved. One thing I will bring up, though, is in the last week, have you seen or heard advertising in any of the following places? We thought this was sort of a silly question because obviously if you have listened to podcasts, visited a website, been on social media, watched live or recorded television, watched streaming television, listened to AM, FM radio, listened to streaming radio, or picked up a magazine or newspaper, you're going to have seen an ad. All of those places have advertising in them and, and quite a bit of advertising, I might add, as well. I thought that the question better spent is, have you spent any of the time with the following media? And then if so, did you hear any advertising? Because to me, the fact that all of these are not 100% is a little bit surprising, especially for magazines and newspapers, which is at 48%. That's a little bit surprising to me. But uh, podcasts actually topped the list at 86%, uh, which grew 1% from the previous year. Now, that being said, the next question in their study was compared to one year ago, do you think that the total number of ads in the podcast you regularly listen to has increased, stayed the same, or decreased? And there was an increase on both ends of the spectrum here, John. People said that 56% of the people said that uh, it has increased, which was an increase to 49% in 2019, but 4% actually said the total number of ads in podcasts has decreased. <laughs> do you think that's because of the closed platforms, the ad-free platforms opening? You know, that's a that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know if there's enough of those that have impacted podcasting at this particular point. Uh, remember, this was conducted in October, so it's still before Joe Rogan went exclusive on Spotify. Right. So it will be interesting to see how that move will impact a lot of these uh, research studies in the coming year and coming years, really. I think mm -hmm. it's a 10-year deal, if I'm not mistaken. It's a ridiculous length. The next question was, compared to one year ago, do you think the length of the average advertising break in the podcast you regularly listen to has gotten longer, stayed the same, or gotten shorter? And once again, increases on both ends of the spectrum. 41% said that it has gotten longer. That was an increase of 35% from 2019. And 9% said it has gotten shorter, which was an increase of 6% who responded in 2019. So... The only thing that decreased in both of those questions was the people that said that it stayed the same. One thing we know, it's definitely changing, uh, whether it's getting more or less. To be fair, more people responded that things got longer and increased than said that it had decreased or gotten shorter. We noted that there was an interesting parallel between how important it is to limit your exposure to advertising while it is very important, increased by 2% over last year, from 25% to 27%. The people that responded it was very important or important to limit their exposure to advertising was still 50-50. The total percentage hadn't changed at all. There's more research in here, and I, I highly recommend that you go check this out. You can go to edisonresearch.com and check out all of this research for yourself. 
they've got some great graphs on here. Uh, and I highly recommend that you subscribe to anything that Edison Research puts out in regards to podcasting because it is very valuable for our industry, the work that they do in this regard. But the number of people that are skipping ads is basically staying the same. As, ad, as a matter of fact, people are skipping ads less uh, this year than they did last year because the number of people who skip ads some of the time increased just slightly, but the number of people who skip ads most of the time, but not always, decreased. So skipping ads is definitely something that is happening less. The people that always skip ads has remained steady at 12%, and the people who very rarely or never skip ads remained about the same from 34% in 2019 to 33% in 2020. Do you skip ads? Mostly no, because I'm usually commuting or working out, so I don't have the ability to skip ads. Also, I've heard uh, other people talk about how, you know, now the Apple earbuds are out there and you can just double click your earbuds to skip an ad. That never works for me, by the way. <laughs> and so if it doesn't work for me, I can't imagine that there are a lot of people out there that even understand that they can do that, that mm -hmm. they can skip forward 30 seconds by doing something funky to their earbuds in their ear. Interesting. I don't believe people skip ads and I don't pe believe people even care about the ads in their podcasts. The next question on here is relative to other types of media. There are way too many ads on this particular medium. And while the number increased in 2020 to 38% who strongly agree or agree uh, based on 24% agreeing in 2019, it is still much lower 10% lower than streaming television, which is the next item up, and 59% who say there are way too many ads on social media or live or recorded television. What I still find interesting is the one place, you know, podcasting is always compared to radio. And people have, have said that the reason people are coming to podcasting is because they're trying to get away from all those ads on radio. Well, only 51% are saying that there are too many ads on AM FM radio. I want you to I want that to sink in. Basically 50/50 here are saying there are too many ads on radio. Now, if you ask me, I will tell you there are too many ads mm -hmm. on AM FM radio. That's not that's not the I will not dispute that with you. However, the researchers themselves are telling you 49% of people say there are not too many ads on AM FM radio. People do not care about the ads in your content as much as we, the content creators, think they do. And this stat right here tells you that right off the bat, there's a lot more about sort of the way that the super listeners feel about podcast advertising and how they feel about brands that advertise in their podcasts. Uh, they have a more favorable opinion about those brands that are supporting their podcast through advertising. So that's a good thing for potential advertisers, certainly, to know. But the key takeaways here that Edison found was super listeners today listen to even more podcast content than last year. They're getting slightly younger and slightly more Latino as a proportion. Uh, okay, there's nothing for me to really add to that particular finding, especially based on the data that I've already shared with you here today. Last year, 37% of super listeners agreed that podcast ads were the best way to reach them. This year, that number is 49%. And there is a number in here about these super listeners that 
really, while that may be true, the best way to reach them is via a podcast. These super listeners are also very much part of the streaming television community, the Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon Prime community. They all have subscriptions to these particular services. 87% of them, as a matter of fact. Perhaps those advertisers might want to think about getting their advertising on those particular platforms to get in touch with these particular people. The one other takeaway that I had from this was the method of these ads in podcasts. Personalized discussions about products or sponsors by podcast hosts. 25% of the people strongly agree that this particular method is the best and a good fit for podcasts. 23% said messages from advertisers that are read by the podcast host. 23% said a sponsorship message. So that would be something like, this podcast is brought to you by advertiser. You know, that sort of thing. And then 17% strongly agree that pre-recorded ads not read by the host are a good fit for podcasts. So again, you are not going to get an argument out of me that a host read ad is a better method of delivering a message to your audience. However, the value that that has versus a pre recorded ad that is delivering that same message is not that different. We're talking about 8% from 25 to 17. And remember, 17% are still saying pre recorded ads are a good fit for podcasts out of a thousand super listeners. And don't forget, these super listeners don't believe there are too many ads in podcasts, and they don't believe there are too many ads on radio. So don't be afraid of advertising on your podcast is what I'm trying to tell you. What this study is telling you is that advertising is good for podcasts, and advertisers shouldn't be afraid to be spending their money in podcasting. John, I threw out a lot there. Did you have anything to add to the conversation i know i know you had we had a little bit more of a back and forth right during our first recording no i think you pretty much covered everything that we had discussed previously jay i do think the host red ads can be a little bit more engaging with the listener a little bit more it's a little more personable but at the end of the day it's only eight percent more personable (laughs) it doesn't matter right at the end of the day it doesn't matter your message is going to be delivered 8% better than a pre-recorded method. So if you're looking to scale and you're telling me that host read ads is really difficult to scale, yes, it's really difficult to scale a host read ad. <laughs> then having a pre-recorded ad is not a bad thing to have. It's certainly a, it's an okay fallback. Understand the value isn't that much different. The value of a pre-recorded ad shouldn't be at bargain basement prices. Mm. That would be the that would be one takeaway that I would add that I didn't have in our previous recording. That's a good tip. Awesome. John, how can people get in touch with you if say they recorded a podcast and the recording they got back was absolute rubbish Oof. and they needed the help of someone to edit that podcast and fix it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You can reach out to us on our website, which is qd-up.com. That's qdup.com. Or by email, info at qdup.com, or even on LinkedIn. If you want to talk to me about my experiences 
in the podcasting space and need some help in your content or looking for direction for your company, I am also available on LinkedIn. Just search Pod Vader. I'm very easy to find. At the real Pod Vader on Twitter. My DMs are open. That's a way to get in touch with me. Or nextfanup at gmail.com. That is the email address to my football podcast. John, thanks so much. Uh, glad we were able to put together something for our listeners every week. It is important uh, to make sure that we remain weekly. We wanted to make sure that uh, we were here for you this week and a learning experience for both of us, as well as a little bit of uh, new information for all podcasters. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. There you have it.